0: Everybody's got to eat and nobody likes getting sick. That's why heroes toil in the shadows, keeping your food safe at all points, from the supply chain to the point of sale. Join industry veterans Francine L. Shaw and Matt Ragucci for a deep dive into food safety. It all boils down to one golden rule. Don't eat poop. Don't eat poop. So, hey, Matt, here we are again. This is our second podcast. I'm super happy to be here. We're going to talk about some exciting things today. First, we should probably introduce ourselves to the people that are listening. I'm going to let you go ahead first and tell us who you are. Oh,
1: I was raised differently, (laughs) Francine. Ladies are always first, right?
0: (laughs) Okay. I See, I was taught that you just, you don't go first. You introduce the other person. But yeah, let's do this. I'll (laughs) go first. So yeah, my name is Francine Shaw. I've worked in the food service industry my entire life. Both corporate and franchise. From there, I went to, I've worked in regulatory academia. I've done training, third party inspections, consulting, public speaking, and um, I've written over 250. Fifty articles for national trade magazines at this point. And that is that is a very brief synopsis of what I've done over my life. That's it? That's it. I am a slacker.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. When do you sleep? I'm a slacker. So we won't, we won't introduce that long in all of them, but uh, I'm Matt Rigushi and uh, worked also in the industry my whole entire life, mainly on the supplier side and uh, food compliance with Primus Labs, Azul. Primus GFS, and then ultimately my partner Valmir and I, my business partner Valmir and I ran a company called WQS, and then we ultimately sold that a few years ago, and then went on to a company called Rise Point and was the chief revenue officer at Rise Point until becoming my own consultant, and now working with a couple companies. One is uh, helping with the standard of CSQ, the first food safety standard in cannabis, they're kind of where food was 20 years ago, figuring out food safety. It's kind of—it's a, a really fun project. And then with New Era Partners, which is a company under iFood, mainly focusing on 204, the new traceability rule for FSMA from the FDA, rule 204. Actually, it's really interesting because I work with one of the guys that Frank Yenis worked with in the FDA, Andy Kennedy, for this New Era Partners. And that's one of the topics is, where's Frank Yenis? Actually, we should probably talk about who Frank Yenis is to anybody who who isn't in the industry. Uh, Francie, you want to kind of give like a
0: synopsis of Frank Yenis? Well, Frank, for the last several, three, is it in three, four years?
1: Yeah, for a while.
0: He's been um, in charge of the FDA. He's been taking care of things at the FDA. I don't know, what is his official... Title. It's like
1: deputy assistant director of the Food and
0: Drug Administration. Yeah. What I can tell you is that I remember when he first took over and him speaking at the Food Safety Summit and IAFP. I remember I had been attending these meetings for years. And you know, I work on you work on the supply chain side and I work on the restaurant side, the other side of the industry. And I remember attending those meetings after he had taken over. And for the first time ever, restaurants and retail were being discussed at these meetings. And up until that point, I felt like a stepchild when I went to those meetings. (laughs) Because we never talked about anything that had to do, or very rarely, with the retail side of the business or the restaurant side of the business. It was always the supply chain and manufacturing yeah. and process and it's like what are we doing here? Because our side matters too, you know. We handle food and you know what we do very much affects people's lives and we're an important part right. of the food service industry yet we were never represented at these meetings and then when Frank took over suddenly we were represented and he brought that to these meetings. And, you know, I had a great deal of respect for him from doing that. And I did before he took over. I mean, he has a tremendous background. You know, he came from Walmart, he worked for Disney, yep. and he had a tremendous background. And I'm certain that's why he saw that that was needed. Yeah. And, you know, you can have all the education in the world and understand how the industry is supposed to operate. But if you don't have that experience and you don't understand how it actually operates, that education doesn't always do you a lot of good. Oh, 100%. But He truly understood. He truly understood the industry. And not only did he understand how it was supposed to work, he knew how it actually worked. Right. And or knows how it actually works. And that makes a tremendous difference. Difference when you have somebody working in that capacity.
1: Yeah, really, the FDA uh, lost out because uh, it's going to be interesting how they're going to fill and who who the FDA is going to fill um, his shoes with because. You're right. He actually knew – he he knew where the skeletons were hid because he's probably hidden some of his own, <laughs> you know, like he's been in the industry for so long. And um, when we talk about food safety culture, he wrote the book. And when we say he wrote the book, he literally wrote the book, like two or three of them that are utilized in schools, like, they're, they're like textbooks on food safety culture. Um, So he not only understood the operational side of how to make food safety work, but he understood the the psychological side of how to make food safety work, how to change individual behaviors, how to change a culture, because everybody has a food safety culture. I say this all the time. Everybody has a food safety culture. Just some are good and some are really bad. <laughs> you know what I mean? But it's still food safety culture, whether you like it or not. Uh,
0: uh, it is so. Yeah. So where do you think he's gonna go next? I, I have no idea. Whoever gets him would be lucky to have him. If he's smart, he would go into consulting, right? <laughs> I don't think he'll retire.
1: Yeah, it's kind of interesting. Would he? Would he go into academia? Cause I know that uh, that school in Michigan that he do- does all the food safety cultures with. I don't know what it is. Michigan State is it or MSU? Like yeah, I think that something. I think that's it. It's it's one of those up there, MSU or Michigan State. I know he does a lot of stuff with them. But you're right. He's probably going into consulting. What is what is absolutely fascinating is I was telling somebody. You know, nobody reads resignation letters, right? Like I had employee. I had, 400 subcontractors and 90 employees at one point in time, and I didn't even read most of the resignation letters that came to me. I was like, Okay, you're resigning, whatever. When I posted his resignation letter on LinkedIn, it was like one of the top most read things on my LinkedIn. It really shows the impact. The fact that we're having we're, we're going to spend half of our podcast talking about him uh, it shows just how big of an impact he had. When was the last time anybody ever talked about? A, a, an assistant director <laughs> to the FDA resigning and what they're going to do next. I, I mean, everybody knew him.
0: Right. Right. Well, and it's because he, like you said, he did he did make such an impact. I don't, I again, I've been in this industry for decades and I can't tell you of any other director that had such an impact, at least as far as I'm concerned. He knew the information, he could apply it, and he could apply it to all aspects of the industry and make everybody feel like each aspect of the industry mattered to the point that they wanted to do their part.
1: He, yeah, he, uh, is fascinating. So I, I think I agree with you. I think he's probably going to go in consulting, maybe do um, academia, speaking, that type of stuff, but consulting, because there's going to be a lot of people who want to pick his brain. Moving on to another topic, Francine ha- has a great topic for today. Well, I don't know if it's great. You know, I think I think people who are listening to our podcast in the car, you know, on their way home, they'll, they'll be like, oh, I'm hungry. And then if, it, it's, this could be the weight loss diet. And instead of eating, you listen to our podcast and you're like, no, nah, I'm not hungry anymore.
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay, Francine, what's the news? The news is Family Dollar. Family Dollar has once again shut down 400 stores in six states after thousands of dead rats were found in the distribution plant. Mm. This is the second time this year that they've closed stores because of rats. First of all, first of all. How do thousands of rats accumulate? How does that happen? i I mean I can't I, I can't wrap my head around that. Not only that, but I pulled up an article from earlier this this year, I believe it was written earlier this year and it this is this is just in short what this says. The FDA report says family Dollar has been aware of a rodent problem since at least January of 2020. Dozens of rats could be seen running around the facility during a loud and sustained sound of the fire alarm. This was during a um, a fire drill that they had in October. Wait,
1: wait, wait. October of when? October of when?
0: This was October of, it looks like this was 19, maybe, 2020, sometime in that wow. time frame. This has been going on for a while. The stench from the rodents was so bad in part of the facility, the company even stopped using the break room and an inventory control center, the report said.
1: (laughs) So instead of fixing the issue, they're just like, ah, we just won't go in anymore.
0: We're just not (laughs) going to use this part of the building. Let's just not fix it. We're just not going to use this part of the room. Then it says, these are emails acquired by the FDA that were mentioned in the report. Stores reported receiving goods from the distribution center, (laughs) They have been chewed and contained rodent pellets. In one case, a live large rat was in one of the boxes. And another store said that a rat jumped out of a pallet of goods. I don't know about you, but if a rat jumps out of a box of goods that I'm opening, my rare is out of there. Wow. <laughs> I'm gone. Well, and, and, and by no the way, for,
1: for people that you know, have not had the pr- privilege of reading your book, uh, Francine is not a squeamish person. Like, there's a scene in your book where you talk about walking down and like hoping rats don't eat you. I was
0: right? going <laughs> well, I to talk about that in a minute, but yeah, m- the, the, multiple, no less than five rats are climbing up rack scaffolding through the pallet containing potato chips. I guess they were trying to get uh, the hungry, maybe nibbling on the chips. I don't know. Inspectors watched as two mice exited. <laughs> it's not funny, exited from gnawed open products, a distinct odor indicating decaying and dead animal under the conveyor belt system. Bird droppings covered an area of the floor 1.5 feet wide, three feet long, and at least two dead birds. The FDA's examination of pest control records documented up to a Hang on for this. 107 mice from 2020 through June of 2021 and up to 31 roof rats in areas that included food storage. Bait boxes and glue traps captured 2,300 rodents between March and September of 2021. A 2,300? Yes. January 7th to the 12th of 2022, 150 roof rats were captured. And this is the kicker. After fumigation during January 16th to January 20th of 2022, about 1,097 rodent carcasses were removed from the facility. What the hell is going on that this isn't taken care of? Well, it sounds
1: like they're trying to take care of it, but they're just—it's just a huge infestation. Okay.
0: So, okay, yeah, they're trying. They have bait boxes and they have some things like that that are happening. But bait boxes aren't taking care of a situation that's this extreme. You need to find the root of the problem. Right. You can't just keep killing the rats. You need to figure out where they're coming from. What's the root of the problem? Well, the root of the problem is there's a lot of mama rats somewhere <laughs> popping out about a well, lot of baby rats. And they multiply very, very quickly. Very quickly. Very, very quickly. If you start out with, I think it's like two rats within three years, you can have over a million, or 18 months, I think it is. You can have over a million rats. I think that's the statistic, something like that. Not only that, but who's counting these rats? That's what I wanted to <laughs> know. Who's counting these? Yeah. They're like 2,300
1: rats. and They're like specific numbers. 120.
0: 1097, 1,097. Who's counting them? I'm picking them up and tossing them aside. Wow. So what you were talking about in my book is one time I had to go underground. Literally, there was a rodent infestation in the city that I was doing inspections for. And there were no lights. There were no lights. So the pests enforcement, the PCO, pest control officer, was having trouble with the local restaurants coming together and doing their inspections or their their treatment simultaneously. So what would happen is they'd run back and forth. And there was like underground tunnels under the building. So they'd just go up and over the walls and from one building to the next. They'd just crawl back and forth. So, he needed me as the health inspector to go down under these buildings and verify that there was a legitimate situation and that he did need help with this to the city. So, <laughs> didn't my idea of a good time. <laughs> so, I get up and get dressed. And I put on as much leather as I can possibly find. I've got like leather boots <laughs> and I've got on a jacket. I've got a hard, like a hat on. And I've got. Like, and you can't, like, I I was not overjoyed about this, but, you know, I had to do what I had to do. And I, you know, don't want to seem like I'm in any way nervous about this at all. And you go down the steps and you can hear them. Like, there were, like, sewage pipes under there and different types of pipes. And as you go down the steps, you can, like, hear that there were so many. I mean, there were so many. And that's all I can think about as I read this, because you can hear them, like, like, you could hear them squeaking and the noise and you could hear them like running across the pipes overhead and just the, no- I just the noises you could hear them climbing up the walls. Cause they can climb, they can climb walls. Oh yeah. I was just praying, just praying. One didn't like land on my head. And the only light we had was like, just like flashlights. And we had to go under these buildings and like through the tunnels in like this underground dirt dungeon. <laughs> <laughs> under the restaurants in the building. Oh, it was oh, not one of the best days of my career. You, I've
1: known you for a while and you really get lit up when people, when we talk about like cockroaches and rats and stuff like that. You have a fascination with them. Do you have pet rats? No. <laughs> no. Oh,
0: no, okay. You just, you, just, you just had a lot of experience with them. No. They're dirty. They're gross. No. I like that as much as birds. I mean. Oh,
1: yeah. Uh okay, okay. So it's funny. I uh, Francine, you have to like step up your game on on uh, making fun of me because I really enjoy making fun of you. But uh for those that don't know, Francine is deathly afraid of birds. It is like irrational, crazy fear. So much so that uh uh we were at my my former business partner's house, Valmere. He's such a great guy, and Francie's working on a project with him right now. Um, and we were at his house, and this parrot—he has like two or three birds. Parrots—they're not parrots. They're so wait a minute. Wait a minute, wait a minute.
0: Wait a minute. Wait a minute. They're not parrots. These are freaking huge birds. They're like they're macaws or something. They—they're big. Uh, These are—it's a parrot. It is not a parrot. Parrot. It's like. It might be a parrot. I was thinking parakeet. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, it's not a parakeet. No. And then, and then she's like, oh, I hate birds. And I was like, oh, that's right. I forgot. Like, I remember you freaking out about seagulls it was flying. one time. This
0: bird was flying. It wasn't <laughs> sitting still. It was flying. It was <laughs>
1: Oh, <laughs> uh, so funny! I'm sorry, Brent. No, I'm, I'm sorry. I shouldn't make fun of your fears. Why I'm here? Yeah, you. You know what? <laughs> it's fascinating. You're less afraid of 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 cockroaches and rats than you are of birds. Oh,
0: absolutely. <laughs> that
1: is the exact opposite
0: of me. I will tell
1: you. If a, if a rat jumped out at me, I am like you. I'd be like, oh, I'm out. <laughs> I'm out. I'm done. I'm done. You can you can have this job. I'm not. Yeah. They're more predictable. But a bird, nah, birds fine. Oh, I eat birds.
0: Well, I mean, so do I. But they're they're <laughs> more pre- the rats are more predictable. They're not. They're typically going to go away. A bird is going to attack you. Those they will fly at you.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, there you go. We went a on another rabbit bomb. trail.
0: <laughs> Back to the Family Dollar. How does this happen?
1: Yeah, that is a great question. Uh, I, uh, okay, so I have, uh, like you said, like I have um, a lot of years on the supply chain side of things, and I've been in facilities that have big rat infestation, bug infestation, that type of stuff. Most of the time, they're they know they do, and they're freaking out about it, and they're trying to fix it. And I, I feel like this is the case with the dollar store, unless unless it's every single time the FDA visited. Then all of a sudden they had a corrective action and then they went and fumigated it or whatever. But um I mean we even in our audit had the ability to use snap traps and cans because if you have a huge rat and mouse infestation, it's very hard to get rid of it without drastic action, which would include utilizing snap traps. The problem with the snap trap is every facility has a bloodborne policy. They don't want that stuff just spreading all over the place, right? So – you have to put it in the can or something, but – and that was only for extreme circumstances. I don't know, Francie. I don't know if this is – if they legit just didn't care or if they legit have a really bad issue and they just don't know how to fix it. Well,
0: then they need to call somebody that does.
1: Or they could be actually. The majority of facilities, distribution facilities and facilities like this – aren't doing their own pest control. Well,
0: right. No, I understand that. I, that I, I know that. that. Most of them are on pest control plans. You know, they have somebody that comes regularly to take care of these situations. But clearly, who, somebody's whoever that is, maybe they need to call somebody different. You know what I mean? I'm just saying that this is extreme.
1: This is very extreme. Yes.
0: I mean, I'm not trying to beat them up, but- this is not normal.
1: This is not normal. This is this is I'm not trying I,
0: I understand what you're saying. Most of these places, and I know because of what I do, they're on regulated pest control programs. They come regularly. They set up their traps. They do what they do. But this this is extreme. So anyway, I'm just just saying that it's I'm sure they're doing something. I'm sure they're very aware of the problem. Well, the the problem has become
1: uh, very much escalated, right? I mean, we're talking 404 closures, temporary closures, 404 store temporary closures in six states. So if corporate wasn't aware prior to this, corporate definitely is aware now. And uh, that's, that's a huge amount of revenue loss.
0: Well, it was a recall earlier this year. There was a recall. There was definitely a recall earlier this year. I don't know. We'll post the information um, in the notes for the podcast like we did last time.
1: Okay. So now, I mean, this, is, this will be interesting to kind of follow up on and stuff, but um, – yeah, because they're gonna be opening these stores back up. What do they do with that facility? Because these are only temporary. So it'll be really, really interesting to see how this how this plays out. Um, and what, you know, what type of practices are they implementing to to deal with this so it doesn't happen again? Because I'm positive they do not want this to happen again. Oh, absolutely. I mean their it. brand is so sad. The the brand is not I mean, it's all over the news right now. At least the nerd news. We always talk about the nerd news here. So speaking of nerd news, what what fun thing do you have for us to, to end this episode with, Francine?
0: I want to talk right after this about the five-second rule. <laughs> <laughs> what do you want to know? Don't touch my hubs The five-second rule. So something falls on the ground and you pick it up in less than five seconds we need it, right? Yeah. Oh, Matt! No. No. Why not? Right no, because you just walked out of the bathroom, and you have all that nastiness on the bottom of your feet, and now whatever you dropped is basically <laughs> laying in the nastiness that just came from the restroom floor. Well, that's
1: assuming I—I I had. That's assuming I was eating something while in the bathroom and walked out of the, but. <laughs> pathogens I, you know what pathogens have a hard time competing against other bacteria that would be on the ground
0: somebody said that you guys really need to do this live so people can see your expressions because you're so animated I think they're right yes,
1: that, is, that is very <laughs> accurate Yes.
0: unless you can wash it with soap and water no, just kidding guys don't ever wash any of your food with soap and water ever um, no if it hits the floor, you need to throw it away. So
1: you don't, you never, you, you drop a pretzel on the ground. You don't pick it up and eat it. No,
0: I throw it away. Oh, wow. What about your husband? I don't want to know what he does. <laughs> 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 what did my daughter say? What family member is she going to throw under the bus this week? <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, 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 yeah. What about your daughter? Sorry, honey. <laughs> no, like, uh, okay. So if it's okay, this is this is great because th- this is two food safety people having this discussion, and one disagrees and one does. Okay, so I do, I do. Well, cheese. I mean,
0: you drop a piece of cheese on the floor. You're gonna pick it up and eat it? No,
1: no, no. So, so, so this is what I was gonna say. It depends on if it's dry goods or not, right? So if it's if it's a piece of cheese, if it's a piece of salami, guys, I'm Italian. I I my breakfast is cheese and processed meats generally. So my diet isn't the the best to begin with. So I generally don't worry about if I drop something <laughs> on the ground. But oh my God! <laughs> but if it's if it's like <laughs> it's true, right? I mean, you you've been out to eat with me, Francine. You see what I eat, um, and. <laughs> But if it's like a jolly good, like a chip, a pretzel, or something like that, nah, I'll pick it up and eat it. a piece of jerky? I'll pick up a piece of jerky. An M&M? Oh, that's definitely going back in my mouth. Okay, so
0: now we're talking chocolate. I mean. (laughs) (laughs)
1: right? Okay, okay. Okay, so so the (laughs) desire has to outweigh
0: the risk for you, Francine? (laughs) No. It depends. Okay, wait a minute. So if it falls on the floor, you should throw it away. (laughs) I've been a trainer for my entire life. (laughs) If it falls on the floor, you should throw it away. (laughs) No, it depends on... Okay, where are you? If you're in a restaurant and something falls on the floor, you're going to eat it?
1: No. No.
0: Okay. If you are... Outside of your own home, and something falls on the floor, you're going to eat it.
1: Um, that's a good question. That depends on where it is.
0: What excuse that answer? Um,
1: it depends on what the trust level of the place is. Or, okay, so like, okay, if I'm out camping and um, you know, having a picnic, and there we have this big, huge blanket. If I drop something on the blanket, I'll eat okay. One. Well, right? I. I would too. I would too. You're already outside, and it's nasty to begin with, right? You're fishing. You got fish all over your hands. You're eating chips while putting a a worm on a hook. Okay, come on. It's not going to be. You know, there's a lot of things to think about with that. But like in a restaurant, no. Just because so there's, it's just trampled, right? Like there's so much. There's, I, I used to work at a bunch of restaurants, and the amount of people that walk back and forth down those hallways, and the amount of food, so the amount of food and liquid and all that stuff that ends up on on the ground. Well, now you can have pathogens possibly outcompeting the other bacteria that's on there. But that's what that's kind of what goes through my head: is the pathogen going to outcompete the other bacteria? Wherever it is, yes or no. If the answer is no, in my brain, I'm like, I'll eat it.
0: So you're going to have to explain to people what you mean by the pathogen outcompeting the other bacteria.
1: Right. Okay, so it is very difficult for a pathogen to survive, a human pathogen. Okay, so all of these things we're talking about is bacteria or a virus or something like that. There are very few bacteria and viruses in the whole world of bacteria and viruses that actually are harmful To human beings, if you want to swab your mouth, you will find a plethora of bacteria. So there's already bacteria in on us. There's bacteria on your skin. There's bacteria all over the place. So utilizing um, sanitizer all the time, if you if you're not in a food environment where you're 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 prepping food for somebody Mm -hmm. else, it's actually good for your skin. You actually want a certain amount of bacteria all the place. So when I say out uh, bacteria out-competing, uh, the regular bacteria that we can consume, out-competing uh, pathogens, pathogens don't want to be at a lot of places outside of the, the perfect little um, temperature, uh, sugar, water um, that can exist, right? So there's a ton of bacteria on the ground. That's perfectly fine. A pathogen will not – the pathogen will be eaten by that bacteria most likely, a human pathogen. Um, so it will it. So I always think of it like that. Now, a restaurant has a bunch of that sugar, <laughs> water, all that stuff on the ground. It's kind of nasty to think about, but that's why they wash it every day. Um, and so I go, mm, there's probably more pathogens on that ground right there. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm.
0: So again, if I'm like you out there and there's a chip falls in the blanket, I'm going to eat that chip. My son has a boat. Looks like it's my son's turn. (laughs) So when we go out on the boat, you know, we, again, you're out in the boat. There's not a sink with water and there's usually hand sanitizer or something, but we're on a boat.
1: Yeah. When I'm out fishing, like I, oh man, I, I will grab all the wipes that I could find. When I go on United like Airplane and they now provide you those alcohol wipes, I like take three or four of them. I don't even use it on the seats. I'm, I'm, I'm like, whatever. The COVID is... I've already had COVID twice um, so I'm not too worried about it. But what I am worried about is when I do go fishing and that type of stuff, yeah, I want my hands. I, I use those alcohol swabs on that.
0: I think it's important too that we talk about a healthy person... A young, healthy person or somebody at the age of like, say, five or six is much different than somebody with a weakened immune system. Those people might not want to be taking the same types of risks with some things. That's true. I just think it would be wrong to not say that.
1: Right. And that went back to the Listeria conversation we had last week where um, it was like 40, 47-year-old to eighty-eight-year-old people that were that got sick, and it makes sense because they were going to be the most immunocompromised. That in young children or pregnant women, um, you know, any t- anything like that, then yeah, I, it, it was it was like the people who a lot of people who got sick and died during COVID were immunocompromised individuals, and and the the whole country was shut down um, basically to save their lives,
0: right. So I do have a, I have a disgusting but funny story. When I was, (laughs) we had Thanksgiving dinner at my mother's house one time, like my mother passed away a long time ago, years, years ago. And my mom had, my mom had like two dogs and a couple cats and we were at her house for Thanksgiving dinner. And when she opened up the oven to check the turkey, (laughs) the pan flew out of the oven (laughs) The whole turkey no. came out of the oven and went sliding clear. That turkey flew out of the oven like it still had wings.
1: What? Is that how you got your fear of birds? <laughs>
0: Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> No. I, I don't know. If I got attacked by a, a molten hot turkey and just, coming uh, out of the oven. I, it was the most bizarre thing I've ever seen. It just came flying out, and went into the kitchen, cleared to the other across that floor. And she had like 30 people coming for Thanksgiving dinner. So, so okay. So did, did she pick it up, stick <laughs> it back in the pan, throw it back this in the oven? This was probably, I don't know, 40 years ago this happened. I was like, "Oh my god, I was dying." I me and my I think my sister, my one younger sister was in the kitchen when this happened. I was like I, even then, and I was even then, I was like, "Oh my god, you're going to have to throw that away. What what are we going to do?" They picked that thing up and washed it and put it back in the oven. <laughs>
1: I have not even washed
0: it. All that shit. shit, Oh, my God. No shit. (laughs) I wouldn't eat it.
1: (laughs) I'm still confused. She opens up the oven. And we're talking old school oven where the the door goes down, right? Opens up the oven and the turkey just flew out of it. What
0: happened is this turkey was probably – it was stuffed and I bet it weighed 30 pounds. And it was too heavy for the rack. So it tilted oh. forward. it Tilted forward, uh, and it came flying uh, out of the oven. Uh,
1: yeah. Yeah, I would have just, I would have just stuck it back in the pan, thrown oh, it in no, there. Oh my I god, more no! I'm upset about having them oh, mop the floor. Oh no, there's no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, we have to get, we have to get our, we have to start filming these, like, because the look on your face.
0: Oh, yeah. Wow. So anyway, I think that, uh, I think we can probably end on that note. <laughs> <laughs> think about the things that happen at potlucks and Thanksgiving dinner before you
1: arrive. <laughs> uh, Francine, I have 14 people that live in my house. Every day is a potluck. <laughs> Every day is a potluck.
0: <laughs> I'm sure it is. <laughs> I'm sure it is.
1: And the dogs, the do- there is definitely <laughs> no five second rule for the dogs in my house. And they know somebody's gonna drop something with that many people around. The dogs are like at our feet. every almost every day, somebody like trips on the dog and cusses at it. like one of the three dogs. So fourteen people, three dogs, two chinchillas, and a and a leopard lizard <laughs> in our house.
0: <laughs> You're a freaking zoo.
1: <laughs> yeah, and we also have animals.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was just going to say, in addition to the children. <laughs> oh, God, your poor wife. Oh, my God.
1: Oh, uh, so funny. I
0: need to buy a box of sympathy cards. Um. Oh my gosh, you've seen it looking,
1: we've been talking for forty minutes.
0: Oh, yes, we sure have. We should probably end it for the poor people. <laughs>
1: all uh, right well guys uh thank you for for joining us again and uh yeah look forward to having you join us in the next episode and remember don't eat poop <laughs> don't eat poop and wash your freaking hands <laughs> <laughs> and wash your freaking hands uh we have to tell people about why like oh my gosh your office and then wash your freaking hands all right we'll do that for the next time bye all